Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, thank you again for joining me on the Football and Feelings podcast. Today I was speaking to an old friend of mine, Jake Kaur. Uh, I don't want to say that Jake suffers from Asperger's because, to be honest, how I see it, he's excelled with it. Um, he does an awful lot to raise awareness for uh, autism and Asperger's, uh, depression and anxiety as well, as he feels that these subjects are all close to his heart. He can also be seen doing work with Guna Fanzine, which by the sounds of it has really helped him just channel his passion for Arsenal and football generally, to be honest. We spoke about how sport helped him recover from once being in a mental health ward and feeling ready to end his own life at one point as well. We touched slightly on the coronavirus pandemic, but of course things are changing so quickly that maybe some of this information will be updated by the time it's released. But anyway, I'll post the link so you can find Jake on social media. But do the same for us. Find the Football and Feelings page and give us a like and subscribe. Cheers. So during a, a strange time, Jake, obviously it's very strange for everyone. How are you sort of coping? How are you getting on? What's what's your daily routine like during the lockdown? Walk the dog, play a load of Xbox, listen to what my nan has to say. Watching loose women repeats. <laughs> Being watching Disney Plus, you don't you don't strike me as the as the target demographic for loose women. To be honest, <laughs> I don't like loose women. I just it's nothing else on you, the TV's. Everything's been stopped now, isn't it? In terms of television, you ain't getting really much live content. Mm. Does it I, does I, it bother you? Does it bother you uh, having to to sort of stay indoors a bit more than the normal? Does that bother you? Yeah, I'm quite an active person, like going out. Mm. I like to like go for walks. I only been able to go out once a day. It's just quite weak. So today I would have been at Arsenal versus Norwich, which is I miss going to football. I miss seeing people. It's just weird because our generation is not used to doing something like this. Yes, it's unprecedented for all of us. I think. How would you? A big question. How would you uh, go about the end of the season? What would you put in place? I think we need to be really careful here because this. There's arguments for both sides. If We can't put unnecessary strain on the health service because if football's there, you have to have ambulances and the police. Mm. Especially if it's, if it's a closed-door game, you're going to get fans going to the grounds trying to... Because you saw that with PSG Dortmund, the last, the last games that were actually played. You had thousands of fans lining the streets. You can't really have the police dealing with that at this time, but you can see why the... The season should be cancelled, but it's not really fair on clubs like Liverpool, Sheffield United that had brilliant seasons. Mm. I think the most obvious thing is if the season gets abandoned, that you let the top two teams from the Championship be promoted, but no relegation. That's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm look I'm sort of looking forward to see to seeing what they do put in place. Just 
almost so the sort of anxiety about it happening is over. But yeah, there's there's no there's no way to to make a decision which is going to please everyone. But I think you're you're quite right. I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have thought about um, the ambulances and the police that are necessary on a game day. I don't think people would have thought about that too much. Especially especially if you're a London club, you've got st- uh, you've got the station, the tube running at reduced capacity at the minute. So you've got people who will try and go to the game just to see what they can get in or anything like chancing their luck. Just, I don't think you haven't got the infrastructure for behind closed door games at the minute. That's the problem. Yeah, no, you're quite right. And we're just not used to it, are we? I mean, everyone's saying how it's, obviously it is all about the fans, but I mean, other things have to come first at the minute, I guess. I think the problem is the clubs have got to look at this financially. You've got sponsors who pay per season. Sponsors, if the season's not avoided, they could try and get their money back. Because you've got, especially airlines like Fly Emirates, who are now grounded all their fleet, they would try and recover some of their losses from Arsenal, Real Madrid. Mm, yeah, good point. They're not getting the not getting the TV coverage they're used to. You've got TV companies who would want their money back with Sky, BT, foreign companies. The problem is if you if you cancel the season, you have risk of leagues going bankrupt. Yeah, especially for lo- uh, lower league clubs. Um, that's going to be really difficult because they're so reliant on the the match day tickets that they sell, and there's got, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of clubs who are having really good seasons at the moment, and it it will be like Leeds for example that'll be a massive gain financially for them to get promoted. So the risk of that being taken away from them is is huge. I, I think the league's also got to worry about because if you got if you cancel the season, you can have you have the risk of clubs suing the league. The leagues like leads could leads could sue the FA for loss of income for not being promoted to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You could have. I'm not the same. So and so will sue. You got Liverpool who would try, who would be outraged. They've just lost the the winnings from the league. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Obviously, as I know, you are you're probably the biggest Arsenal fan that I know. I think I used to love speaking to you in school about about Arsenal because you just you just knew everything <laughs> about it. Do you think um, football as a whole, in terms of like your mental health, do you think football as a whole has given you like a, a bit of a release? It has because it's it's like you got a few hours of week where you just don't you get to shout at a bunch of players. <laughs> Because I like going to the men and the women's team games. They're actually the women's team games are actually more enjoyable sometimes than the men. That's how mm. I find it. But you got football. Football does help people's mental health because you, it's a distraction to watch, see your friends, go to the pub, that sort of thing. You just have if football's just like a release for a lot of people. Yeah, and obviously yourself, you're quite. Uh, you're quite well involved with the community around Arsenal as well, aren't you? So you get involved with a with a lot of like uh, club events, charity events, and um, media work as well, don't you? Could you talk us through some of the things that you you've been doing recently? So I'm part I'm part of Guna Fanzine as an occasional pundit. I don't do all the games and all the podcasts, but that's a great it's a great insight working with Guna Fanzine. I I've seen. I've been involved in a visit around the Arsenal sleeve sponsor. Recently, tended it's really interesting learning about the country of Rwanda. <laughs> um, I did. I used to be involved in football mental health walks. Not involved in that anymore. It's just mm. in, I like being involved. I like raising awareness. I've been doing the Arsenal Players World Cup on Twitter recently to raise a bit of money for the NHS. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, how's how's that getting on? 
interesting. It's a lot of hard work that people make out because you have to do the table. You've got people going, that's not fair. So-and-so has been drawn against someone's. Yeah, I saw, so, um, yeah, I saw a, few, a few people on Twitter kicking off a little bit about, um, about some of the tie breaks that were on. But I didn't do the draw. Like I could have just done the draw, but I just picked and choose who plays who. Yeah. But I, chose they... it, I chose to do it randomly because it just mitigates me being accused of being biased. Because you know me, I'm the biggest Thierry Henry fan going. <laughs> I think it's here for me the most easiest route to the final. But I wasn't yeah, true. that's true. You could have had Omri against Francis Jeffers, uh, Sebastian Squilacci, all of them, Kim Kallstrom. Yeah, we actually named some of those in the worst Arsenal team of the decade when we were filming for Guna Fanzine recently. <laughs> who, who else made the team? Um, I'm trying to think the goalkeeper. I'm trying to think it was. I nominated Lucas Fabianski. Dan from the Is Gazette nearly wanted to lynch me on the day. Uh, I think I'd have to be on his side there, Jake. I think he, out of the top six, I think he's the best keeper in the league. So I think it was um, Parks. I'm trying to. Uh, Marlon Schmack was, I think, was in the, the striking position. Mm, yeah, gelhead. Yeah. Um, you had um, Parks, that, uh, Parks and Jin, that player that we signed. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was really interesting because he was really getting passionate about who we named him. I think it was um, Stefan Lerbstein that we put his white back because we didn't want to, we felt bad for putting Carl Jenkinson in there because he, he was living over the Arsenal fans' dream. He was, yeah. And it, it just didn't, it just didn't quite happen for him, did it? He just, he just sort of plateaued at a, at a certain stage. I think maybe got as good as as he could potentially get. But yeah, you're right. I remember he scored his first goal for Arsenal and it was it was amazing to watch. It felt like you scored it as a fan watching. I think it's just, I think club I think it is lovely when fans get to play for their club. You see players that get involved with Arsenal. You see Thierry Henry became the biggest Arsenal fan when he played for the club. Hmm. You just it's interesting. You you get it's different. You see some players who love the fans and some players you get players who are absolutely lovely fans. You get some who don't. It's in every sport you get that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember in uh, I remember when we were in school. Actually, you were uh, you were showing me the picture of when you met the whole team, didn't you? You had like the big yeah. squad it's photo. Good. It was the only guys used to do this like a Christmas party. You used to watch the team train in the morning, and then the players would get changed. It was at Highbury, and then you went up. You watched it in the North Bank, and then they took you around to the clock end. And then you got to have pictures in the hospitality areas with the players. Because mm. I think, I don't think they, they don't do it anymore. I think it's a so many risk. Because I actually, one time, got to have my picture taken on the pitch with the team. Yeah, that's that's the picture I think I remember. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I must admit, since then, I haven't really... If they did do that sort of thing now, I, I imagine they'd be posting it on social media. So they, I presume they're not really not really doing it anymore. The magazine shut down. That's what's why the competitions all died out. Mm. That's what's up. Because I actually was sad. I actually put my hand on the Emirates glass and just kept touching it because I knew I'd never be able to do that again. <laughs> wow. You um, okay. players, Go on. Sorry, Jake. Yeah, players like Fabregas and Van Persie who were lovely on the day. Yeah, were they, were they speaking to everyone? Yeah, Van Persie was saying, nice pick of shirt because I had his name on the back of my shirt. <laughs> That's, that's, that is good to know. It's a shame that the fans turned on him a, a little bit. 
I sort of see why Van Persie left Arsenal, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not... I mean, yeah, the proof was in the pudding in his first season, to be honest. I mean, he goes and wins a trophy straight away. Yeah, so, uh, so yes, crap, call me hard questions. Okay, yeah. So uh, I thought we could start around around school, Jake, because I remember being in class with you. Uh, we had drama class together, didn't we? And although uh, you had... Words, do on. you want to leave the, uh, the certain object that was used against you in prison? <laughs> Um, you know, I know what you, you can tell that story. Go on. But the time I loved the mobile phone at you back in the day when they were used to be heavy bricks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, that was a it was a, a tear jerker. That one it hit me right on the nose, if I remember rightly. My eyes wouldn't stop watering. <laughs> I think John were glad when they got rid of me to be perfectly honest. It, <laughs> it was a fun class, though. But I remember you were uh, you had like a group of people around you then who you got on well with, didn't you, in that class? But I think it's fair to say for you, I know we've spoke about this before, there were times when school wasn't particularly easy for you, right? I think, I think the problem is where I have autism, some schools ain't really set up for that sort of thing because you also got to remember schools have limited budgets. Mm. You have schools have limited budgets. Everything, the public sector is, is, is strained immensely. And you're not being funny. You have me who likes to walk off when he feels like it. <laughs> Could you, uh, could you explain uh, for our listeners uh, how autism affects you specifically? Because obviously it's a spectrum and people experience it in different ways with different strengths and weaknesses. So I have Asperger's, I have Asperger's syndrome, so half my brain runs fast and my other half brain runs slow. I'm using hand gestures here, even though we're not got a camera. It's how, <laughs> how I used to describe because you get obsessions like one of mine is Arsenal. You get... People, you have different interests. You you can excel in one subject and be awful in the other. Like my weaknesses are definitely building and cooking. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd yeah, I think me too. To be fair, Jake, I think I share the same weaknesses with you there. I think the I think autism I think autism is getting more understanding in this day and age because of what the use of social media. But back in the day, it was really. Because you, you didn't really have the in, when we was in school, we didn't really have the internet as we have it today, do we? we did we really? No, it was only really. It was in like specific rooms around the school, wasn't it? You might be able to access the internet, so it was a. And a it was very different what we could use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, so do you think how how did having Asperger's? How did that affect your time in school? I don't really enjoy my school days, as I've previously gone on record on loads of subjects. I think it's just because you have some people who are just absolute so and so's. I'm not going to swear because others I'll get your this demonetized. <laughs> it's okay, don't worry. But you get you get some people who are just absolutely nightmares, and some people who are lovely. Mm. I just think it's I think it's just how people choose to behave in school because you just you have to you have some people who just want to act cold to their friends that sort of sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an especially in like your teen years, your lower teen years, everyone's sort of trying to one up their friends, aren't they? And they're all sort of showing off, and it's it's a shame that unfortunately, like yourself, you were you were probably like the butt of that of those jokes at some points. I'd like to think that now these days it's not quite the same in school as, like you said, with more awareness um, and just more general understanding from the students and the teachers. I think it's because you have some. Te- I think it's because I think they trained better now. The teachers had to deal with students because back in the day you didn't really have much of a 
the schools were not really because not really funny we didn't sometimes i had a year was not very useful you all got to admit yeah yeah you're not wrong yeah i had a year so, was not the best discipline in it all, and i think he was the butt of most of our jokes yeah <laughs> i mean yeah he was a nice guy though bless him so it was, was lovely but i think he i think he i think he had the worst year he could have got yeah, I mean, there was a lot of mischief, a lot of mischievous students in our in our year at school for sure. But you could definitely, you can spot though if you meet though the, the same people now, you can sort of tell that they that they probably did misbehave a bit badly in school. But there's a there's quite a few that now that I meet and you you realise how much they have grown and you yeah. you almost would think they were different people. Yeah, I think it is. I think you can't judge people on their school days because you don't know what their home life is like. You just don't know anything with school. Yeah, good Schools, point. Society has really changed in the last since we've been at school, which is nearly 10 years, which makes me feel really old. <laughs> so would you say, was school sort of the first, your first memory of having to, having to deal with uh, like your own mental health or your me- mental well-being? Yeah, because I used to get down quite regularly. I sometimes used to make myself physically sick so I didn't have to go into school. Mm. I think it's this, this, I think mental health backing up when we, they don't really teach, they didn't really teach us about mental health awareness in school, did No, it was like it didn't exist, wasn't it? I think we was made to find out a lot of subjects. I think the problem when we was in school is that a lot of things weren't taught that were modern day, that were relevant to when we were growing up. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right, yeah. I think schools have changed that now where they teach more about life skills, but back in our school days it weren't really mm. So it could just... you tell us could you tell us a little bit about um your sort of journey in terms of, of mental health, how you sort of uh how it affected you, um and how you sort of got over any humps that you hit? So I really started suffering because I was struggling to find work as people with autism struggle to find permanent employment. I had previous work with a member of parliament, which I probably won't discuss in case he has me for lot in case he has me in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's uh, my mental health. I had to take a job in a call centre. Imagine someone with autism working in a call centre. Mm. That is the worst mix you could ever give. <laughs> So I struggle. I I really struggled after that because if you resign from a job, you're not allowed to sign back on. So I was struggling financially. I was just fed up. I was thinking of taking my own life. I I posted it on Facebook. I was taken to this assessment centre, and the staff were really horrible in there. They lock you in a room. It's like a, a posh prison cell. Mm. I, I remember. Um, so- I remember. Sorry to interrupt you there. I remember. Um. I remember seeing that post you you posted on Facebook. Unfortunately, I saw it about a week too late, I think. Um, but I, I know a, a friend of mine and yours that uh, we know from school. I know she she contacted. Did she contact you directly, or did she contact your relatives then? When you when uh, that's a bit later on, but I'll get on. To, do you want to get on to that now? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it later. Don't worry. So I'll get onto it when she. So yeah, it was like a posh police cell, really much. I just I I got myself because I actually had tickets to Arsenal Norwich that day, actually. Oh, what a hindrance! Really, just ruined that weekend, didn't it? I <laughs> know. Oh, so I had to. Do, I wanted to get out before, so I could get to the game. I think I got there. I think I got there just before kickoff. <laughs> they won one 0 Danny Welbeck. 
Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, but the staff were really horrible in there. So I got chucked out. <laughs> you know what I can be like when I'm in a mood. <laughs> I can absolutely terrorise the world if I want. So so how did how did you end up end up in there then? Because um, someone called the police and then they said, I think the police got called. I was on my own then, so it was just, you just had no one to speak to. It was in mm. London because I was staying with family and I had a row with one of them. And it was just, it was the staff there weren't very nice. You felt like a criminal. That's how I actually felt that day. Because mm. you're, you're searched by the police. You have your phone wow. taken off you. Mm. I think I treated, I think they kicked me out because I treated about, I managed to get my phone back and they said to call someone. I didn't hand it back to them. And I treat going, and I think they kicked me out because I treated it. I've been held hostage. <laughs> oh. Okay, so so you've ended up. Where? What is that class, Daz? Are you? You weren't it's sectioned, not, right? Are you it's sectioned? Or? It's, it's it's quite a complex one. I've never. I checked this with mental health work when I was in the mental health ward, which I'm going to come on to in a second. The, it doesn't have to get classed as a formal section in. Hmm. It's a police section, something. I think the problem with the police is they're really under strain. They can't, the police are, you got to, it was London, so you got to make the Metropolitan Police probably have more cases than anything to deal with. I think, and so I got discharged. I went to speak to my GP, but that one never got happened. They never referred it to them. Mm. And then I can't, so do you want to get onto the mental health ward now? Which is the uh, yeah, yeah, top. sure. Yeah, if, if you can sort of walk us through what uh, what that's like. So I was my mental health got really worse now, deteriorating because there was I was struggling to find support. Because mm. the mental health support in this in all around the UK is stretched as it's publicly stated. And you have people I think it's been more erased now because I actually checked the, the money, I was speaking to a charity worker, I can't name the charity because I could dog them in it. They said that the government's money that they're promising to mental health is pretty much money that's been cut and has been brought back in. Mm. So you have, so I was assessed, I was feeling really low, I called 111, I had to spend, waited an hour in A&E, and then once you're obsessed, they said to spend time on the mental I, They recommended I spend time on the mental health ward because I had depression, suicidal thoughts and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And the wards on the mental health are not really good. You don't you don't speak to a specialist as they say you do. You just sit and you just sit and watch TV all day and and people go out for fags. Mm, so so yep. your experience in the in the ward wasn't really productive. It was more like a it was more like they they just wanted to have you somewhere where they knew you wouldn't be a risk to yourself or maybe to anyone else at some points. Yeah, because you just don't, I don't think they have the staff. You don't speak to a specialist. You only see a mental health doctor for 10 minutes a day and they're like, they've got a couple of men hospitals in the local area. Hmm. I think that is the mental, I think that is the problem with mental health. It's really underfunded. Yeah, yeah. You don't get the support you got the the counselling list is longer than the season ticket rating list at Arsenal, I presume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even now, people looking to to get counselling and on the NHS, they can be waiting about nine, six to nine months for just for their first meeting. So, and that's just an assessment. Then you got to wait again. That's the problem because I think mm. that's 
then people have to finance itself and they're running into financial difficulty because they if they're on low income and they're paying for councillors and not really funny councillors ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. Then they're, fun- they're funding that themselves. They're, they're adding to their money worries because a lot of people with mental health do run up money issues as well. That's the problem. Because mm. mental health, because you can, people can get addicted to gambling, gaming through mental health. Yeah, it can be any sort of release, can't it, just from, from how they were feeling. So when you were on, when you were on the, the mental health ward, what did the sort of worst day of your depression feel like? It was when someone in the two rooms down tried to cut their own wrists. Because mm. they actually, they search you when you go in. Every t- If you go out and in, they search you completely. Yeah. And you can't, someone, someone I don't know how they did it, because they don't let people have access to scissors. Uh, they, they give out razors, but they supervise you when they, if you want to have a shave. Mm. I don't know how they got hold of the razor, but they tried to cut their own wish. You had people trying to bang their heads against the wall. Someone tried to climb up a tree and jump. Mm. You do get this. You, I also think the problem is with bed shortages. They chucked out one girl who had alcohol issues because she was on voluntary, not when you don't a section, but you're voluntary there. So mm. she used to go to the pub. They chucked her out, and then the next day, she, the she was she was readmitted a few hours later. She just couldn't cope. Mm. That's the problem with the mental health services. You got people just being readmitted, like regulars, because they just can't cope on the support's not really there. You have the home treatment team, which was I was under, and they don't really support you. They just give you tablets, and that's it. They leave you to it. Yeah. So is that how? Was that the sort of conditions you were on for you to for you to leave? Was it they'll give you medication and and that's sort of what pretty much they just give you two weeks when you leave you, you get one follow up call and then you get a mental health nurse. My mental health nurse was lovely. She kept me on for about nine months. But mm-hmm. you have staff. Uh, you get the, you get some departments like the and the mental health wards and the home treatment team that need to get you off quickly because they have to get because they're limited numbers. Because mental health, especially because there is a bed shortage in because you've got people being taken all over the country now for mental health because it's just how bad services are. There's not enough because we had a mental health ward in Clapton, they've shut that for some reason. Mm, the yeah. bed, there's bed, there is a mental health bed shortage in the country. Mm. So, and the so is, then, so could you sort of talk us through your, your, exiting of the of the mental health ward how that came about and then sort of how your mental health continued from that point so i was just like i want to go now and because i was on voluntary if you agree to if you ask them to leave they, they can decide yes or no if you try and leave by force they could actually section you mm. if you if they don't think you're ready to leave okay so for you they obviously felt that you were you were ready to leave did you feel like you were you were ready to leave or was it more of like a i, I needed a bed i felt ready to leave i asked them i said can i leave i went i won't leave straight away notice if you leave straight away they can't really put the support in place hmm. so the doctor said i can leave as soon as i said that i started packing up on my room i actually had a sweet drawer where i was allowed to go out i used to go morrison's quite really to get sweets because hospital food isn't very nice <laughs> they just reheat it they only have they get frozen meals they just reheat mm. so i had to re so i just used to have a sweet drawer and when i was leaving i went sweet drawers available for anyone who's 
I just took all the sweets and took them into the living there, the like, living room area. I went, all yours. <laughs> so you had your own little tuck shop going on in the in the mental health ward. Because <laughs> I basically I used to have to go shops with people because the people who were sectioned. Yeah. So I used to go shops for them every. <laughs> Sometimes they even work for the staff. Hmm. So how did you get on with the with the medication when you left? And the, I think the problem with the medication is you can get side effects. Like my one was I was putting on I was very sleepy all the time. This is especially on, when I was under the home treatment team because they gave me sleeping tablets, and hmm. it just pretty much turned you into a zombie. You can't keep your eyes open even when you're not on them. I think the problem is the I think the medic I think medication they, they isn't just the answer. I think because it put, put, people don't want to take because the side effects involved. Mm, yeah. Because my one was I was putting on loads of weight. I couldn't stop eating because the medication just made me hungry all the time. Mm. I actually spoke to my GP and he said this is the case. And the problem is GP if the mental health teams have signed it, the GPs can't change it. Right. So then, because no, so you no, did you did sorry did you stop taking them on your own accord or did the your, yeah, your GP I thought, recommend this is where we got to the story where Beck, um, I'm not going to name the person here but it's when she I stopped taking because I was just fed up with the medication how it was making me feel mm. so I just stopped take, taking them and you think you're fine because they tell me because it's still in your system for the first few weeks you still think you're fine but afterwards you get down because mm-hmm. I think this was when Arsenal won the FA Cup that year, so that was one of the happiest days of my life during that time. But a few weeks later, um, I just felt really low. And I just wanted to end it all. Oh, and I wrote on Facebook, this is when the person found out. She was actually in Australia at the time. Mm. Now, what did, what did you write? What did you write on Facebook? I was just fed up with life, that sort of thing. I can't exactly remember the post now because I try and I try and put those sort of things that I try. I believe in positive thinking, if you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I I don't believe in positive. I don't try. I talk about it in blogs occasionally, but other than that, I try not to look on it. Like things I've wrote, mm-hmm. like I don't rewatch my old work or reread it. That's how. Because mm. I just think it's. I try and be productive in terms of mental health. I don't want to look back on everything I've done. Yeah, yeah. I try and look back on the positives. Because mm-hmm. I think it's... Because one of the nice things for my mental health is I actually got a letter from Arsene Wenger. Oh, really? He, the, someone, I wrote a vlog about how I love the club and I actually got a letter from the club a few weeks later signed by Arsene Wenger. And someone told me he, he never used to copy and paste letters. He just used to write them from the hearts. Oh, wow. Nice. Ben, he was really a nice person when he came to that because they said when Santi Gazzolis had, Santi Gazzolis had grand green in his leg, mm. he gave him a year's contract so he didn't have to worry about being paid. Wow. He knew it would affect the rage buddy, but he still did it anyway just to help him out. Yeah, of course, yeah. I, I think didn't that's know that. I think that's the problem with people don't see that Arsenal Wenger's really a people's person. Mm. He loved Arsenal. Yeah, well, he was the he was the sole reason for a lot of players to join the club, wasn't he? A lot of people said that after a phone call with him, they were basically sold the idea. Because you see players that wanted to honorably love Wenger, he still calls him boss when he used to do punditry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have Ian Wright who didn't play for him for long but loves Arsenal Wenger. Mm. Because I actually was due to step 
talk with Arsene Wenger at the end of the month, but that's been postponed as well. Oh, I'm sure that'll be rearranged for you, yeah, though, don't worry. I just want to hear, because I felt so for Ben, the abuse he used to get, because social media is a problem with mental health these days. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. you had Wenger getting abused non-stop on social media, wishing... Mm. I think the pro- part of the problem with that is that social media has given every single person a platform to speak, to give their opinion. Um, but those opinions aren't always aren't always valid. Because you don't, you don't know what No one knows what happens behind the doors of scenes at Arsenal. No, of course not, no. You don't, no one knows what happens behind closed doors. Social media is just a small insight into people's lives, but the problem is social media doesn't affect so many people's lives in many ways. Mm. You get high, you get high profile trolling. Like you had Caroline Flack. Yeah, of and course, I, yeah. Because I actually wrote uh, Chris Whitty, you know, the medical director who who appears on the government's medical on on the NHS. Yeah. He's been getting abused because how he looks. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's unbearable. Like, these, these are the same people that were treating kindness about Caroline Flack, and I actually looked at some of the abuse. Mm. That people were sending to him. I didn't treat, retreat or anything. I just, and these were the same people that were saying, this, we need to be a kind of society, but they were treated about how a person looks. This man was trying to be helping to save lives. Yeah, it's like people don't really have a filter. So they before, before they've even thought about something all the way through, they've already tweeted it, um, which, is, which is unbelievable. But then, they're the, like you said, they're the first people to criticise others for doing the same thing. Because I think that is the you get players now. You have you see squadron with staff in Granite Xhaka, mm. who when they have bad games, when Xhaka told the fans to do something, when the Palace game was yeah. on, because I was on going the fans and I said two runs don't make a right. Granite Xhaka should not have sworn at the fans, but the fans should not have been cheering and booing him off the pitch. No, and it was um, that was uh, that was quite horrible to watch. Actually, it felt like we were watching something from gladiator times and a man's being booed out of the Coliseum. It was very strange. I, thought, I was at the game and it felt awful to hear him being booed and cheered off the pitch. Mm, yeah. Because when was, I was there, when his number was put up on the board, people were cheering like they yeah. scored a goal. Mm. I think the problem is players are the full guys for the, how the club plays. Because you... you Mustafi, when he gave let when the year before when we played Palace again when he conceded to this late Palace goal, his wife had to shut off her social media because there was abusing her because her, her husband let in a goal. Yeah, it is sad to see. Okay, so, sorry, Jake, just, we've gone off track a, a slightly. Let's go back to go back to your story, then we'll we'll reflect on a positive yeah, sorry, note it. to end I, it. I always try and- I always try and get, I always seem to distract. Yeah, so you just get um, you. I've been lucky with my mental health because I managed to do so many amazing things out of it. Yeah, so I was. Yeah, that's what sort of what I was going to ask. When you, so after that situation happened with what you wrote on Facebook and how you were feeling and you were sort of ready to to end it all um, in a in a way. How did you? How from that point? How did you pick yourself back up? And how were you grasping at positive things from then on? I know it sounds selfish, but I've decided just to cut out negative people out of my life because I just can't cope with being people talking me down. Because mm. you just—I know it sounds selfish from time to time, talk, but I think sometimes you do have to be selfish when it comes to your mental health because you, other people can affect your own mental health. Absolutely, I don't think that's selfish at all. To be honest, I think that's—it's one of the easiest and 
most instantly effective things that you can do is cutting people out that don't heighten your your yourself really because i think it's you do have to be careful because you can't sound too selfish but you just you have to think of yourself sometimes with mental health because mm. because no one else can help your mental health but just it's just you who can help you it's yeah so, so people... for you it was mainly just cutting people out was that the the main thing that sort of helped you get into a better state of mind I try and be positive. I have things I enjoy. I like going to watch boxing when I can. Mm. I like going to watch Arsenal. I like going to the Grand Prix each year. I like mm. watching it on television religiously, as you see on my Instagram stories. I normally... <laughs> I get up at sometimes silly o'clock to watch the practice sessions. Oh, it's unbelievable, Jake. I, I always I always see you up at up at like 3 or 4 a.m. watching, watching random uh, practice sessions. I know. I actually got um, the worst time was when I was at Silverstone and it was England winning the World Cup. Knowing the World Cup when everyone's getting, we're going to win this. Mm. Football coming home till four in the morning. Ah, uh, the- Jake, we're, uh, we were going to win it though. There was there was a, a period of time when we were definitely we had, going to win it. <laughs> we had hope. Oh, this is actually true because they had the England match. They, they the England match was going to start as soon as the qualifying ended, and I was there. So they said, "Can you please all stay to watch the Formula Two race?" <laughs> and the whole stand's emptied out. Uh, of course, it's the going whole, to. Obviously, it's not like nice. It. It's not nice for the Formula Two racers, but still, whole, I mean, no one's going to miss that. Race, the England match, but yeah, mental health. You just you got to find things that you got people who enjoy watching sports. You got people who enjoy doing sports. You have mm. people who like photography to help. Me- people have to have their own releases. I can't say do so and so because it might not suit another person of your. You of course, yeah, of course. But, people, but for people, the main thing for you was to to get involved, watch as as much sport as you were into, and sort of because, like you said, that's some one of your passions that you that you've got. Because I've been lucky to meet the people that I've met. Because you get people going, "How can you suffer from mental health with all the people that you've met?" Because mm. I've met people like Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Tony Adams, Thierry Henry. You, you you meet so many amazing people. I'm just lucky. I don't know how I do it because you always get people going, how have you met all these people? Yeah. But I think it's, you just got to find something that helps your mental health because you can't say do so-and-so because it doesn't suit everybody. Of course. Do you feel like you have a, like a support network around you now? I do because I have people from doing the fanzine. Mm. I have loads of different, I've met loads of people from doing mental health. Palace fans, I mean, I used to do mental health walks. Yeah. Doing a fanzine. People that I know from Arsenal, who I, who I sometimes go to the pub with before the game, which I never mm-hmm. used to do. I just used to go to the game and then go home. Yeah. You, I, uh, you, I remember you, you, you told me you always used to get into the stadium basically as soon as it opened, didn't you? So you could sit there and read the programme. I always still do that, to be fair. But, if, if, but luckily I didn't. That's how I met Robert Chris, because I had to wait. My, my colleague has my membership ticket to Arsenal. Oh, because we share because it's just easier. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait for him, and it was coming in from my bo- boss who had who's sitting in the press box. So I was waiting by the press media entrance, and so and behold, Robert Perez came out. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, I've got sort of two questions for us to sort of finish on with a bit of bit of reflection and some positivity. Would you? With with regards to your mental health, what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned about yourself? 
you have to look after yourself to be honest with you you can't just think of you sometimes have to think of yourself I like to stay positive positive thinking mm-hmm. I don't look at social media I don't read comments on social media but mm-hmm. some when I first started going to fans and I used to read the comments about what people used to write about me mm-hmm. yeah and I just stopped reading them you just yeah it's a dangerous thing to do isn't it yeah my boss told me to stop reading comments but, so I've, I've actually done you do I've done some amazing things I dressed up as an eagle and actually raised money from it uh, calm oh yeah I remember I remember seeing that picture like every palace didn't have a mask it was it was Dulwich first palace under 23 so they didn't have a mask that day <laughs> the Dulwich asked could, we, could I walk around amazing and they, whatever money you raise goes to it goes to the, the charity great stuff Jake okay and well, I was Sorry, go on. And I was absolutely sweating buckets afterwards. Oh man, I bet, especially after mm-hmm. after that walk as well. This little kid, when I when the suit was starting to deflate, hugged me, going, "You're not fat anymore." <laughs> how how nice! <laughs> yeah, the children were lovely. They all wanted pictures with the eagle. That's great, Jake. That is great. And they, and they, oh, they looked on social media, people going, "He actually is an Arsenal fan." So mm. I was at the Emirates Cup the next day. I feel like you might have you might have sort of asked answered my my final question. I think in a way, I was I was going to ask, what about yourself? Are you most proud of? I've done many things. I'm proud of doing a blog, mm. raising money for charity, helping do some mental health walks, being part of Guna fans, and I'm proud of everything I've achieved in life. Because you, at the moment, I've just got to look back on things I've done and be proud. Because you. I've got to admit, a good day, no, nothing lasts forever. Yeah. I mean, so you really have... Day, Sorry, go on. Something could end suddenly one day. You've just got to think of things. That nothing... You've got to think of yourself. You could you could die tomorrow. I know that sounds negative, but you've got to look... you just got to be positive all the time because you never know when it will end. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's fair to say, Jake, you've done... You've done you have done some amazing things and you've put your sort of knowledge of your own mental health on the line to help other people as well. Um, we'll sort of, well, I think we'll wrap it up there, Jake, but if you can, can you tell our listeners where they can, they can find you, what social media you're on? And All my social media, Instagram, Twitter is jakecore14. Uh, my Facebook blog is jakecoreblog. And that's, and I just have a YouTube, jakecore. And okay. you want social media, that makes it quite handy. <laughs> excellent you've got the gap in the market there great stuff jake um hopefully next time i see you um it'll be an arsenal game yeah when we're all allowed back there yeah when we're all allowed outside top man cheers jake no worries take care ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 